Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Tuesday, Tuesday, yet again, it is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. I am your host, Dio Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Uh, I apologize if you can hear it, but I have my air conditioner on, and I know that's not the best for podcasting purposes, but in the interest of chilling my room and my body temperature down, because it was a little bit of a hot one this afternoon, uh, yeah, I, we're just all just going to have to fight through it. Uh, I got Dave on the podcast this week after a couple of solo runs, and we're going to talk about some pieces and some news that came down the pipe this past week. Uh, Dave, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I listen. I don't. I enjoy doing the solo stuff, but it's always nice to have somebody to bounce back and forth with. And there's just tempered verbal volleyball between the two of us so i feel like every once in a while i gotta bring you back in (laughs) that's fair uh so let's start here the denver nuggets and the oklahoma city thunder made a trade earlier today and it was reported by our own sean kennedy on the site um it was jermichael green going to oklahoma city in exchange for, for, for draft picks, draft capital, et cetera. Uh, the main idea to take away from a Sixer standpoint is that it theoretically takes away a landing spot for Tobias Harris. Is, is that is that a thousand percent true? I mean, the Thunder could still be part of a three-way. It takes away the scenario where he is completely absorbed and you don't have to take back a ton of money is my understanding. Right. So after July 1st now, because of this deal, they will no longer be one of those teams who could just take an enormous max contract into space and give you back next to nothing in order, you know, for their troubles, basically. So if you want, if you had the hope of we're going to use a pick or a young player or two young players to get them to take Harris and pay him, so that you could pursue Bradley Beal, you would probably need another avenue now to do that, like God. a sign and trade. Damn it, Sam Presti ruining any possibility of Josh Giddy to the Sixers. No, I'm kidding. It was a joke. Um, <laughs> I, I I love me some Josh Giddy highlights. What can I say? Um, so so now we're stuck in the camp of well, I guess it looks like Tobias is going to be here next season. If that's your uh... This assum- default assumption, I think that's pretty fair. Are... I, I, I feel like that kind of is. And at this point, after his last few months in the playoffs and the end of the regular season, if we get that kind of Tobias from game one next season, I'm actually okay with that, I guess. I 
Tobias definitely showed late in the season and in the playoffs how important he is as a two-way player and maybe not second banana in scoring, but certainly third or fourth. Yeah, I think he played well enough after the All-Star break in a role that was meant to accommodate and feature James Harden a bit more. I think he did that well and made the cost of salary dumping him, if you were to estimate that in future draft picks, less than it was before the trade, you know, before he played some really good defense against Pascal Siakam. At the end of the day, though, I think if you wanted to break him down, as as they say, into like a couple different, maybe more aligned fits, like a couple three and D snipers, I think that would still probably be prohibitively expensive and it would be difficult to find that team who's interested in paying him $80 million over two years. So when you start to really look for trades that might be win-win, it's hard to find one where you're saying, where you wind up saying the Sixers are better now without Tobias, so they should do this deal. Like if you could get somehow Harrison Barnes or, you know, maybe Bogdanovich in Utah along with Jordan Clarkson, maybe you'd feel good about that and you sweeten it for them somehow. Um, But yeah, it's tough to find some that you're like, definitely the Sixers should do that. I'm wondering, and maybe there isn't an answer to this question, but what kind of team needs a player like Tobias Harris? I, I feel like that's a question that's not being asked or answered. Well, it's difficult to answer because uh, it really is because if he made 12, 14, 16 million dollars, you start to think of a whole bunch of teams that could use that. But at 38 million dollars, it's like, well, not the teams that want to win a title. Right. I can't think of one team that's on the cusp of winning a title where they would take on Tobias's money like that. Like the Lakers, Lakers would probably happily give you Westbrook in a heartbeat and more if you would do that. But hard, hard pass. Yeah, that's uh, because if I'm if I get the money correct, then I think it would be like Westbrook for Tobias straight up, and that does not help us in any way, shape, or form. That's fair. Yeah. Other than you know the social media aspect and hilarity of Russell Westbrook and Joel Embiid being on the same team with James Harden. Yeah. <laughs> Russ and Harden didn't enjoy playing together in the bubble, I guess we might be able to take away. And and now they want to team up again. I think everyone would say no, thanks. No, thank you. Um, I do like your idea of Boyanovich and Clarkson because I floated this idea to you earlier today on the Slack. And I was asking if, you know, I'm watching the Utah situation like a hawk because if they're either retooling or blowing it up, like Jordan Clarkson for Danny Green, Shake, and 23. I kind of asked you if that might get the job done, and you disagreed. Say it again. Say the package again. So the package, as I had it, was Jordan Clarkson to Philly, and then Utah gets Danny Green, Shake Milton, and number 23. Either Shake or Jaden Springer, whatever you want to do to make the contract work. Mm. And you kind of you kind of disagreed on face value. Yeah, because I, I think that they want to win. 
And so they, they can't reasonably expect Andy Green to contribute at all this year. He might not play at all. Right. Uh, and so what are you getting there that they can plug in? Are you getting Matisse Stiebel in this deal? Are you getting Matisse and the 23rd pick? Because then maybe you can begin to, you know, maybe there's a financial incentive and you have like several things you're looking to do. So you don't want to pay Clarkson's money. Um, but yeah, I just feel like it's a little light on their end. See, now I'm thinking about the defensive possibilities of Utah with Matisse Thibel and Rudy Gobert on the same team. And that's, it's, it's intriguing. It's not intriguing to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm putting a long shot bet on the jazz to win the title next season. Yeah. I, I, it's difficult to imagine them not, strongly trying to trade Gobert, isn't it? Like clearly he and Donovan Mitchell are not best friends. No. If you want Donovan to feel more comfortable settling in there for at least the next two seasons, you might want to m- explore that trade, see what you can get for Rudy. I don't um, want to turn, I don't want to really turn this into a, uh, where does Rudy Gobert fit best podcast? But like, I, I don't know, like the Suns are probably going to lose Aiton for nothing basically any team that needs to deal with Doncic could at least consider Matisse Seibel for four million bucks. yes yeah thousand percent anybody in the west that wants uh an all nba second team defender that could definitely hang with Luca I think is somebody that you would at least pick up the phone and find out if they're available that's right yeah um next up is uh, draft talk because when it's the Sixers offseason, we're, we're always talking draft stuff because that's always on the radar of this team. Anybody that you like so far? I know Tom West threw together a piece that uh, chronicled. It was kind of like a hodgepodge of a couple of different sources with their guesses. And then I know you wrote something personally. Yeah, I mean, Tari Eason, we, who we have profiled, like, was it Harrison Grimm, I think, who's in love with him. If he slips, he looks like a guy who could, you know, maybe crack this rotation and even uh, absorb some playoff minutes next year. Harrison so, loves some Tari Eason. He really does. That's right. Um, so I think there's a few guys that we've, that we've looked at or that we're going to look at in the coming days. Uh, a lot of people are fans of EJ Lydell. I think there's there's Jaden Hardy, there's Jalen Williams, all in that range who you think, like, you know what? They could use a wing really badly, and they could use one who's not a liability on either end of the floor. So there's several names that they should really be considering keeping, although you have this overwhelming sense that they're going to be shopping this pick very, very hard, as, as we've already seen the reports now with maybe pairing it with Danny Green. Right. And you profile Kendall Brown a little bit and I'm reading your piece. And if Kendall Brown is, you know, Matisse Thibel with a more rounded offensive game, he's, he's worth the He's worth the look. He's worth the shot. That's for sure. Definitely worth the shot. I mean, basically anytime you can draft the most athletic wing in the whole draft, you got to at least consider it, right? Usually think, a good thing. I think the, the issue is that he's certainly not the defensive caliber player that Matisse was at Washington. Right. And if he's not an absolute plug-and-play NBA-level defender, who we might have thought that Jaden Springer was, and look, he played the whole year in the G League, 
Um, I, I don't know how much better his offense would have to be in order to crack the rotation in the first two years of his career, given that last time we saw him in action in, against UNC, he was in some ways an offensive liability because of his reluctance to shoot, and it didn't, he didn't space the floor. And you can already imagine how frustrated Joel and Harden would be if the Sixers tried to introduce another player who wasn't willing to take open threes. This is what kind of scares me about Kendall Brown, and it's in your piece. Uh, this is from Mr. Crockpot TPL. The Sixers need wings. Could Kendall Brown be the Sixers pick at 23? The very good 1.49 points per shot around the rim. That's great. The good allowed 0.55 points per isolation possession. Also very good, given there are so many ISO ball handlers and ISO playmakers in this league. But the bad is the 0.79 points per jump shot. And that just screams of either hesitancy or non-confidence in the shot. And I think... No, no doubt he's hesitant to take them. You could tell that by his three-point attempts per game, which is very low. Yes. Um, and so, you, you know, you wouldn't mind if that was like a guy like Jordan Clarkson. You see him have a down year shooting the ball in terms of accuracy. He's not a very good player, but when you see that he's willing to shoot it like eight or nine times per 36 minutes. He, he is a chucker, that's for sure. Yeah, so that's someone who you can, you can put out there even if you don't need him to be um, – the, the world's greatest sniper, if that's what you're looking for. But with the guy who's not attempting them, you worry that he's going to stand there, not draw a defender, and then pass up open looks like Matisse Seibel was last doing. I mean, people get on Matisse for going 0 for 3 or 0 for 4, but a lot of the times when he dribbled, it was even worse because, you know, you'd rather him just put up the wide open three and take your chances that he shoots it at 25% in an important moment. The alternative is he bounces it and then the shot clock's expiring. I do. Pref- I think if he's there, I do prefer one player over all of the other ones. Like I know Harrison's got a hard on for Tari Eason. That's fine. But I, I think I really like the kid out of Santa Clara, uh, Jalen Williams. Mm. I, I the the three level scoring. Uh, I, I I worry about the. I worry about the combine warrior, though, aspect of that. Is that is that something that you kind of worry about, too, where they're just like all world at the combine and not so much anywhere else? I mean, I like Jalen Williams, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. Looking right now, ESPN, Jonathan Gavoni's board, he's the 21st overall player, so you would be getting some value taking him at 23. He's a shooting guard. Um, I'm not too worried that it's like a fool's gold pick if they were to make it because they do trust their scouting to a degree um i know you could argue they whiffed on springer when they could have hit on a gem like maybe herb jones but they did hit herb Tyrese Maxey, jones. So. <laughs> what i i just i need another sixers player in my generation in my lifetime named herb i just need it i need it i'm sorry you, you it was denied and it just sucks um, and, he's got, and he's got the greatest nickname, not on Herb. Not on Herb. It's great. I love it so much. Um, there's just something about these guards that are coming out. They're three-level scorers, and they can seemingly light it up from a bench perspective. Like if he has a lights-out summer league, 
uh, depending on who the coach is, because if it's Doc Rivers, and we'll get into that in the second half, it's it's just going to suck that he's not going to get minutes and everybody's going to be clamoring for the kid. And I don't know if he should get that kind of pressure, but it's something the Sixers desperately need, somebody on the bench that can provide a little score and pop. Yeah, I mean, certainly the more fun thing is that they – they draft a guy and they play him and he's good. But what are the chances all three of those happen here? Uh, the, the Sixers draft him. He's good. Doc but plays they don't him. play him. Yeah, that, that, that's possible. It's that third one that gives me pause. Yeah. And speaking of pauses, we're going to take a little break, a little breather, satisfy some of the sponsors. You're listening to the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can find all of your fine vox media podcast productions i will be right back with dave early talking a little uh little little qualms with the ownership that we also discussed on slack today so back in a few minutes when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply it's the Outside Podcast, once again, June 14, 2022. I got Dave Early on the line. And here's the thing about Dave and I. Sometimes we go off the cuff with these podcasts because we talk to each other on Slack. And then we get to conversing. And then we're like, okay, save some of this stuff. We should talk about it on the podcast. Something that we brought up earlier today. I don't know who started the conversation. It was likely me, but I'll, I'll give you props if it was you. The idea that the ownership group, they're just not really into spending money. And I don't know if that's really the case, but in one specific instance is what we're talking about. And that's the head coach in Doc Rivers. Dave, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You You pointed it out. This ownership group, it's a billion dollar ownership group. And they are hesitant to shell out another, like, what, 10 mil a year for whatever's left, whatever's left on Doc's contract, plus the payment of the new coach? Yeah, so it takes plenty of tea leaf reading here. I, I wouldn't have put it as definitively as you have. But That's what I, I think... do. <laughs> I'm very blunt, David. I think... If you were to listen to all of the reports of people spec of the top reporters speculating whether or not Doc would be back as soon as they were eliminated from the heat, almost none of them. I'm talking like Woj, Ramona Shelburne, Jake Fisher, maybe Brian Windhorse. Almost none of them failed to mention how much money he is still owed. The original commitment that the Sixers ownership made to him right basically getting to the one yard line with mike d'antoni and then pivoting completely doing this public 180 and saying no no no, doc's our guy let's do five years 40 million so the statement that the sixers ownership is not willing to pay isn't fair because they dropped 90 million dollars on daryl morey and doc in one offseason knowing that daryl was coming with maybe 
canceling their their China China TV deals, <laughs> knowing that we were just entering what could be a terrible, you know, pandemic induced recession. So True. they were willing to open it up, and they've and they've been payers of the luxury tax in the last two seasons. So it's not fair to say they're not willing to pay. But like you said, in this specific instance, if you're willing to believe all those reports that the money that they still owe Doc Rivers is still very much a factor for why he, why he's here, uh, you know, and sources have told Liberty Ballers that it's not that it's that they are all aligned and everybody wants Doc here. So you can uh, you could make of all that what you will take it for what it's worth. Um, I do think. I was just talking about this with Trillbro dude on his, you know, ball podcast, yeah, love that uh, podcast. which is, way. it's a great pod, which is where I got the idea for that Utah jazz trade we talked about earlier. So props to Trill for coming up with that one. Uh, and his, you know, his quick takeaway was the money is a very big factor here for doc. And then, it, and then if you are willing to take that assumption, you could say, all right, you know, a gr- an ownership group that is worth so many billions of dollars that they're making five billion dollar bids on the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. couldn't eat eat what is already a sunk cost because you're essentially you got to pay this amount to Doc anyway, and then pay another coach two million dollars a year. Um, if that's what the front office wanted to do, you'd hate the idea that someone was hesitant to ask them for that uh, ability or that chance, and that's what a lot of fans are worried about. I guess the other thing is that, you know, some with some people, with some owners or just businessmen in general, a lot of them go with the devil they know versus the devil they don't. Like, do we do we know that if we bring in somebody else other than Doc Rivers, are we sure that this guy can get us a championship or do can should we just run it back with the guy that we know? is you know championship caliber allegedly and then just run this back and see where it goes over the next three seasons so like that aspect i can certainly see yeah i think you know if you wanted to spin the narrative like joel and b wanted mike d'antoni and ben simmons once wanted to run lou and doc was the second choice compromise so they quickly went and got him you might be able to spin some sort of like like you said the devil you know it would be a big deal the money is there it'd be expensive it's not a guarantee that we would improve this coach. Sure. You could make the case that Joel Embiid has been an MVP caliber player under him twice now. And so Joel may very well be saying, I want him back. Cause I don't want the alternatives. If we build the offense around, not me like we have in the past. Um, I don't know what I'd be getting either. So I'm not willing to say, please change coaches. Daryl Morey might have needed doc personally to sign off on him, even receiving this $50 million deal that he got because doc was here first. And it's been reported by your own Weitzman that Doc's chief of staff said, yes, Doc did need to sign off on Daryl coming aboard. So it wouldn't be surprising if he felt some loyalty there and say, all right, I'll at least let him have two and a half, three years. Um, I wouldn't be here if not for his sake. So, And it's also definitely not a given that Doc Rivers can't win a championship in Philly. Like, Absolutely. I, he's, he's certainly capable with the talent that he has. And, and if you we, thought he might improve your chances of like luring or attracting a guy like Zach Levine, then who cares if he's not your favorite coach? Right. If Doc delivers, if Doc helps deliver like Brad Beal or, you know, I, I don't know if Dame Lillard is even still an option anymore. I haven't heard anything on that front in like six months. But if Doc is one of those catalysts that brings in that true third guy, 
then I mean, why the hell not keep him around? Like I know he's exactly he's not without his flaws. His rotations are off. People are getting really upset with that. He's people are getting upset that he's not playing the right people. Um, the, the, the Paul Reed stands out there, including myself. Um, but who knows what this new coach, whoever it is, like Dan Tony, like Atkinson's off the market, so forget all that. Darvin Ham is off the market, so I don't know who that next guy is to bring in. And you're immediately saying to yourself, oh, okay, I like this direction. It's a lot better. I think what would be way more beneficial is if Doc was more amenable to, I guess for lack of a better term, advice. Yeah, the, the fair knocks on Doc are that he hasn't adjusted enough to a modern era. I mean, he was trying for years with some tremendous team to get out of the second round with the Clippers. Uh, and as soon as he left, Teron Lu got them there. Teron Lu used small ball quite a bit. He used young players quite a bit. And a lot of the things that Doc has been known for not wanting to experiment with has worked for the Clippers. I mean, they were giving the Suns fits in a series that they didn't even have Kawhi Leonard playing guys like Nick Batum at the five. Um, So you see some of these things and you think Doc's had a failure to adjust in games within a series. And he's had failure to adjust with the changing times of the NBA both of those are valid concerns. Many of the criticism Sixers fans were there with him before he even got to Philadelphia. So hopefully he could be a little bit more adaptive and open to things that Maury, for example, has put forth publicly. Like, you know, maybe when Joel sits, you could try an up-tempo spacing shooters lineup. He used to say that about Ben Simmons, but you'd certainly like to see it with James Harden more than we saw last year. I, I would like to – if. I would like to see some Tobias at the five action. That could be fun. It just let's see where are the radical experiments that uh, that Maury became famous for once upon right. a time when Joel sits at least at the very least. Where is that? Where's that innovation where you're just like, oh wait, they're playing. Wait a minute, is that James Harden on the floor with a bunch of shoot? Is that Robert Covington playing the five? What is this? Yeah, PJ Tucker six five, and you've got him on the center, um, <laughs> and so. And the Rockets were winning games. Yeah, you can't guarantee that it's going to work, but you know that that's just playing Dwight Howard all season, half a season alongside Ben Simmons, and then you know marrying Ben Simmons' minutes to Joel for the entirety of the second half, or playing Dwight Howard or playing DeAndre Jordan at the expense of Paul Reed. Just not experimenting is not going to work. Especially, like you said, in the modern NBA where – there aren't small ball is definitely a thing. And if you have the Sixers definitely have the roster to put together, like a really decent small ball lineup with Tobias at the five, Niang at the four. Um, I, I guess Matisse at the three with Harden and Maxi, and then just start running fools off the, off the court with the exception of maybe Niang, because you know, he, he's a minivan. He sputters a little bit. It's hard to get his engine going a little bit. <laughs> That's fair. But like you said, that's that's some stuff that I would like to see. And I'm not saying for like a full, you know, half of a game or anything, but, you know, four or five minutes could be fun. Every minute that Joel sits is there's you should be experimenting because, you know, you're overmatched. You know, you lose right. those minutes pretty much. And, you know, the things that Doc wants to do, which is just play Dwight, play Drummond, play DeAndre is not going to work by the second round. Right. 
I totally agree. When Joel Embiid is on the bench, that is when you should be taking wild swings because we know that this bench unit, if you run a traditional lineup, they're going to get housed. And, and so much of the time we talk about what can they do to get a guy like Tyrese Maxey, James Harden going. Well, that's you always see when Joel is not even in the lineup on a particular night and Maxey drops 30 or Harden shoots, you know, 10 more shots than he normally does. And it's like, oh, right. Space the floor. Space the floor and give him the ball. Uh, all right. Well, we'll have to take this podcast and then uh, put it on MP3 or something or, and hand it to Doc. Or maybe... <laughs> Maybe, just maybe, Daryl Morey subscribes to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, which would be fantastic. Because- we, we, we hoped he did back in 2020 when we, we could have told him, just make sure you don't play Dwight and Ben too much. Dave, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a weird uh, a phone call from a weird number from like Delaware or just a scam likely. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this Daryl calling me to tell me <laughs> that he didn't like something I said on the podcast? That would be fun. I can't tell you how many times I've lost sleep thinking that might happen. And just the nightmare of like getting that phone call from Jazz or Paul and just be like, yeah, uh, Daryl is going to call you. I'm like, what? What did I say? <laughs> I only, I'm only speaking the truth out here, Dave. I'm sorry. You got you to do it and hopefully you get that call one day. <laughs> Listen, I, hey, I just, I know I just started a new job, but you know what? D- Daryl, if you, if you need some help in the front office, just call, call me up, my man. I'm just saying. Uh, Dave, always a pleasure talking to you. Love spinning yarns with you. And, uh, yeah, I, I just I just enjoy our talk so much. Yes, this is a lot of fun. Love what's, spinning, spinning the yarn. What's the, what's the scene up in Brooklyn right now? Uh, I'm actually in Manhattan right now. It's uh, it's starting to feel like the density, the density, you know, the air gets a little thicker. It gets a little I, I was more talking about the Brooklyn Nets, Dave, but oh. I, I'm glad you gave me the weather report for Manhattan. <laughs> I appreciate that because I'm actually headed up there next week, I think. Yeah, people are talking about should they should they be trading Seth Curry, Ben Simmons for John Collins? Interesting. Um, but what should what should happen with Patty Mills? Should he be shopped because he wasn't a big playoff? Um, and obviously Kevin Durant has been tweeting, tweeting up a storm, questioning things like leadership and playmaking, like in, from, in our, from his real account or from burner accounts, the real deal from, from Katie Trey five. How about that? All right. Yeah. Easy money sniper. Katie nice. Trey. <laughs> well, keep in touch and, uh, yeah, read all of Dave's columns, follow him on social media. It's, it's still, uh, at David early. Yeah, at David Early on Twitter. He writes for Clutch Points. He No, no, just just Liberty Ballers now. Okay, he just writes for Liberty Ballers now, but he's still very much in the uh he he's got the finger on the pulse of the Brooklyn Nets fans, which which we appreciate cuz you know what? He's they're, they're rivals, so we need to get that, those inside scoops. Dave, always love having you and I will talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Thank you.